0: Uh, we have a special uh, special episode today for obvious reasons. We are live, which should be interesting if it's working. Uh, it doesn't always work for me, but we'll see if it does work. But the big news today is that Bradley Carnell is our new head coach in MLS. And here to talk about it, I'm going to go uh, start at my, my left bottom here on my screen, which is actually a Fulham logo. Stuart, how are you doing, man?
1: Uh, I'm doing good doing good sitting on my couch and uh, I get to look at you guys but my camera's not working so you don't get to look at me so it's mm-hmm. it's the best of both worlds
0: <laughs> for you maybe <laughs> um, next right next to him in, in the window next to him is Santiago Beltran you, we, you're here we're talking. And by here, I mean you're in Puerto Rico, right?
2: Yeah, I'm in Puerto Rico. I finally found the location of the podcast. Uh, somebody was joking out there. I think it was Steve. He was like, oh, make sure to give Santiago uh, the location of the podcast. So finally found it. I'm <laughs> glad to be here with you guys.
0: No one knew that we were uh, hiding it in Puerto Rico this whole time. <laughs> um, right above him, Matt Baker. Matt, uh, you've been a busy man tonight.
3: Today. Super exciting day. Super exciting day. Glad to be talking about it with you guys. Uh, it's one of those monumental days that's just fun to talk about, fun to focus on, fun to write about, fun to be a part of. You don't get this opportunity to have your, your first head coach join the, the MLS club and, and your, your pro team very often. It's kind of a once in a lifetime thing, along with all the other things that have happened so far. It's an exciting time.
0: It is. Yeah, kind of like something you can tell your kids. I was there for the first head coach's announcement. That's an amazing thing that we were lucky enough to be around for. Lots of firsts for this club, of course, in St. Louis and St. Louis soccer. Um, Matt, why don't you get us started, man, because you did the live tweet for us today for the event uh, that we were able to attend. And uh, you also wrote an awesome article to kind of inform people on, on
3: what happened. Yeah, my fingers hurt. It, it, my brain wasn't ready. I didn't have enough coffee to be able to multitask between uh, all those different things. But no, it was it was super exciting to actually be attending that uh, the press conference. So the whole thing was kind of really well put together from last night's teaser, which kind of got everybody buzzing on Twitter and on Facebook and speculation and doing shoe comparisons and seeing what what the who who is wearing the shoes and can you find uh, I I. Swear on first glance, you know um, Mario from the the shoot boys corrected me, but I swear the shoes look the same between what he wore on the field and that little teaser coming off the plane. But that was a fun thing to kick off the the whole wow, festivities with. And then this morning, um, press conference at nine thirty central time. Um, naturally, the Athletic had the scoop. So, about 30 minutes before, or so um, Sam Stayzkill from the Athletic um, let it rip that his sources confirmed that Bradley Carnell was the new would be the new head coach for San Louis City. Um, he had a little article up right before the press conference, but I thought the press conference was really well done. Again, uh, very honored to be that that our group basically got an invite on that, and so it was awesome to be um, among the the media there. You know, post- Dispatch and um, national writers and everything like that. It was just an honor to be a part of that. And so it all started off where the uh, the VP of Public Relations, uh, Courtney Mueller, was introducing everyone. Carolyn Kendall Betts came on to just talk about how uh, momentous of, a, of an occasion this was. She introduced Lutz. Lutz wasted no time in just getting his friend and and longtime uh, colleague and and he knew him as a player, knew him as a coach, uh, Bradley Carnell onto the stage to give a few prepared marks. Um, they a lot of it was happy to be here, excited to for this opportunity. It's some of the same things we heard when Lutz first came on about it being the most unique opportunity that all of soccer had to offer with this um, building it from the ground up, and Bradley Carnell being able to get in a full year plus before he'll actually take the field as a head coach and kind of oversee the how, how the city 2 team comes up and all that. and then once he did his prepared remarks they went into a, a Q&A session so we got to see a little bit about um, what the media had to, had to ask. We got a couple questions in that we were able to ask and all the while I, I got to live tweet this and so trying to get all that out there. so if anybody's listening and they want a, a blow by blow of what it was like in that um, our Twitter has a pretty pretty decent um, minute by minute of everything was going on. But for a lot, I think a lot of people at this point have Googled Bradley Carnell. They're aware of who he is and where he came from, Uh, South African native. He's a defender. He played for a lot of uh, South African clubs. He played for Stuttgart. Um, so he started South Africa, went to Germany, came back to South Africa to begin his coaching career. Um, he's known Lutz for a long time. He's known Lutz since uh, at least 2015 when they were doing the Global United FC charitable um, match together. Uh, Lutz even mentioned today that he was an instructor when Bradley Carnell was first getting his coaching licenses. Um, after his playing career, Bradley Carnell started coaching in South Africa uh, for Free State Stars, which was kind of a, a collegiate level, I believe. Um, an assistant with, oh, I'm sorry, I, the Free State Stars uh, were the premier soccer league club. So he, he was in South Africa's top tier as an assistant, um, moved over to America to in 2017. So he's been with the Red Bulls organization since 2017 in MLS five years with them as an assistant, including a stint in 2020 as the interim head coach after Chris Armas was um, unceremoniously let go. So, he led them, uh, including a winning record, to the playoffs in his interim status, and he was kept on. So, he actually was with Red Bulls for three different head coaches. So, that tells me something right there, that he survived all three regimes in the Red Bulls organization um, before, and continuously the past couple years since his interim spot. I think there have been some rumors here and there as uh, one of the top assistants in MLS to get that next jump, and now, here we are. Here we are. Thanks for that breakdown,
0: Matt. That's awesome, um, Santiago. Since we haven't talked to you in so long, let's start with you, man. How did you feel about the day and, and all the information as it was coming to you?
2: Uh, definitely uh, an exciting day for St. Louis and St. Louis CDSC. SC. Um, I don't know. Last night, I, last night when uh, the teaser came out and. Uh, the Det- detective Matt Baker figure out the connection <laughs> with the shoes. I was like, "Oh, wow! This is really happening. It has been uh, rumor for for a few weeks. Um, it looks like this is our guy." And yeah, it was finally confirmed this morning. So very exciting. Um, I have been thinking for a long time if it would be better to have uh, somebody without um, MLS coaching experience or Somebody uh, from overseas with experience and uh, accomplishments, but just thinking about it, I think the team is, as they have done with everything, they they have thought about things very well, and and I think this fits that model. Uh, obviously, he he knows the system that the team wants to implement. Uh, has played in the system, has coached uh, using that system, is familiar with MLS, is familiar with academies, academy structure, uh, and all of that. So, I think it's a great hire, and uh, he has uh, 14 months to to get ready and will be able to to um, get. Up and running with the academy and with the uh, MLS Next Pro team, and uh, be able to get ready uh, for 2023. Hopefully, we'll see some of those players um, in those teams uh, make it to to the team debuting in 2023.
0: Absolutely, Stuart. Uh, I want to hear about what you thought about the day first, but feel free to kind of jump right into some of the stuff you wanted to talk about. Maybe one of his answers to the questions or something like that.
1: Uh, I mean I'm, I'm pretty excited I think everyone else has uh, uh, said a lot of what I want to say as far as you know he's he's lo said on the uh, I think it was the Sports Illustrated article today about how he wanted a coach who is very familiar with uh, uh, with MLS and Matt was that one of the questions in the in the announcement or was that just a separate? interview question do you remember
3: so the sports illustrator one was a separate interview they did beforehand okay. stressed it, but it was also asked in the press conference mm-hmm.
1: okay yeah um and i thought that was pretty telling uh, i really liked what what luth said kind of about uh, st louis and how you know bradley kind of brings things to the table and you know he, he's not a flashy hire, but those of us who were around for the St. Louis FC days, uh, we experienced kind of the flashy hire at one point, and uh, that kind of taught me to cool off a little bit. I mean, my favorite coach at St. Louis FC was was uh, Tritz. and uh, he Tritz isn't a fa- isn't a flashy guy, so. Uh, also a defender so i'm hoping bradley kind of brings the same kind of energy and and uh, i'll temper expectations but i everything i've seen everything i've seen from uh, red bull supporters uh, other executives in the league he's he's really highly spoken of um, so i'm i'm excited to see what uh, carnell brings to the table
3: let me say one thing on that and then we'll move on quickly because I don't want to focus on this but it is interesting that two years and one day to the day since Trishu was announced as St. Louis FC head coach Mm, love that
0: that's cool Trits I mean Trits has a special place in all of our hearts I think he like I don't know if anyone could ever come in and endear themselves to a fan base as quickly as he did in St. Louis it was just like immediate right it was cool Oh, definitely immediate, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, one thing I wanted to mention, like what Stu was saying, or both of you both of you guys have, have kind of mentioned this, how he isn't a flashy hire, and Santiago, you were saying there's not a ton of international experience or anything like that um, as far as coaching. And I like, you know, I wanted to make sure, first of all, they answered a lot of my question. I couldn't believe I got to ask so many questions and that it wasn't annoying. They, they used them. And, and one at the end, I was kind of, I didn't know how to ask it. So it took me a while to figure it out. But I said like, what, um, uh, I phrased it badly, but basically uh, fans are saying like, this is an assistant coach. He's never been a head coach. How are you going to hire someone like that? And they were clearly ready for it. And they gave like a suit, like the perfect answer. But Lutz really jumped on that. and was like, you know, we did this on, on purpose. This is how our team's going to be. We are going to be a team that doesn't care where you come from. We think the system and, and, and the, the will of the players is going to be able to top everybody. And someone who's going to come to work with something to prove and work hard, that's what we're about. And so that's what he was putting on on Bradley as well. All those, um, all those features, all those possibilities for him. So I thought that was well said. I mean, it's kind of the obvious thing to say, but he really said, It with a lot of heart, and he was definitely expecting that question. So,
1: yeah, I wonder if part of that is also if you have a MLS coach out there, a guy who you know is on MLS roster or or, uh, coaching radars. How many of those guys are necessarily going to, you know, take 14 months off of coaching matches, uh, MLS matches to, kind of take something that's being built from the ground up and more of a more of a project than something that's kind of, you know, final product.
0: It's also interesting to think about like what just happened at RB Leipzig. In a way, like I think I was trying to think of. A coach that had their own ideas, that had a strong will, that was successful in a team that's like a pressing system, you know, rather than a coach that would come in and kind of make the system and teach the system and not try to take over their ideas. Like, Chris Armas was praised shortly for, like, implementing more possession for Red Bull New York, and then it just was a disaster, right? like Julian Nagelsmann like the first guy to come in and make RB Leipzig actually play with some kind of possession and be successful. And I think there, he's like a super special coach, but I think a lot of times it doesn't work. Like you need a guy that's going to be humble and come in and teach the system and not try to get too fancy on us. I don't know if that's something you guys have thought, but it's something I've been ruminating on lately.
3: Well, and I think the, the opportunity here is kind of what they were saying that 2022 Provides a trial run, so to speak. Yeah. So, regardless of what the level of competition is, you're going up against these other MLS2 teams and you get to try out on a bigger level than the academy level these tactics. You get to see how your, your press and counter press are going to work on this. You get to, I mean, you, you can really throw some things out there and see what sticks to an extent. Like, I'm not saying they're going to just be anti competitive and just do whatever they want and see what works for 23, but there is, there has to, and And they even mentioned it, trying new things and and seeing what works. They should be a little innovative in certain ways um, in MLS Next Pro. So, I'm interested to see how that season develops. And it's not going to be, side note, it's not going to be Bradley Carnell that coaches this MLS 2 team at any point. They were clear about that. Um, but from, a, from an organizational level, we know with Lutz, with Hackworth, with Bradley Carnell mentioned it, that they're all going to be um, systematically similar from top down. And so, what the Academy has been doing with the press and the counterpress. We know we are seeing that there's talk of two teams doing the same thing. I see it almost at, and they've said that they're going to try these things. I want to see how well that works, and if they start to adapt certain things um, as this year goes on, because that'll give us an eye towards, are they going to stick with this press, counter-press, the, the high-intensity, exciting soccer um, that they've been talking about for the past year? Even CKB,
0: in her speech, in the intro speech, mentioned the high-pressing system, and I thought that was she hilarious. She it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I liked that. I mean, it's just like it's already that instilled, I think, that you know, literally every person who spoke on the day mentioned that. So I thought that was cool. Santiago, yeah. any other? Yeah,
2: go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, even though he's not, not going to be coaching, uh, the MLX next pro uh, team he's gonna be involved and uh, as Matt said uh, they'll be able to try some things and uh, see how this press and current press works uh, uh, with the players they bring and they be able to uh, basically um, t- give this test the system with these players and hopefully some some of these players uh, can move um, to the team playing in 2023. But yeah, um, I think um, he's going to have time. And that's the other thing. Uh, When I was thinking about, okay, should we have an experienced coach, a a coach that has had success? Um, If if the team brings someone like that, um, there will be more pressure to uh, get results immediately. But I think uh, with. Carnell's hire, uh, he's going to be able to to get time and uh, basically uh, implement uh, the system. And it will be more of a process. And even though Lutz said that uh, he wants the team to be successful starting in 2023, I think that's going to take time. I could be wrong, and maybe the team will be successful um, right away. But I think that's going to take time, and having somebody um, that is going to have that time to uh, implement the system and, his, and the ideas, and with not that much pressure for the results, as an established coach will have, uh, is key also for, for this project.
3: And if I'm a player, if I'm a player, I'm super excited that this I get to be a part of all of this building. You, you now have a, a head coach in place um, over a year out who's going to be watching you this entire year, whether you're in the academy or whether you're in the Next Pro, and he's watching for those homegrown players to sign. There's no other club you can look at that's had this kind of eye or ability for the academy and the, the two team players to be signed just based on what their talent is as opposed to who can we fit into our roster. Because the roster is it's a blank slate, like he said. It's a blank slate to work off of. And you have all these kids who now are fighting for spots where it's yours for the taking. There's nobody in your way right now.
0: Yeah. And there were open tryouts for the the reserve team. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, who knows who's going to show up and and play on that team. I'm really, really excited for that roster. I'm going to really enjoy breaking that one down. Um, Another thing... Uh, carnell said too was he did say at uh, making the playoffs bare minimum was something that was always a goal for him in mls so yeah i do think he's gonna have freedom but uh, you know in mls that's a pretty low bar but for a first year team to make the playoffs that's pretty pretty difficult so we'll see if he, he does try to push for that Stuart, I, I i saw a screenshot you made earlier in a tweet of something you really liked that um carnell said i think um and i, I don't know if that's what you want to talk about. But I know a lot was said today, and you seem to be picking up on a lot of things that you liked. Um, so I was curious if you could think of one of those right now.
1: Uh, I, I think you're talking about the uh, Lutz screenshot I think You're right. It about. is Lutz. Pardon me. Yeah. It's, uh, he was just talking about not believing in signing marketing names to make us better, believing in structure, a way of playing, and a philosophy. Uh, Having a long-lasting story, and Lutz wants a club where there's long-term plan in place. So it's also kind of interesting. You know, Lutz isn't known for being a long-term guy, but it's very clear that he's intending to maybe set up a long-term foundation for when he leaves. Just think, all of his terminology he uses is obviously very, very forward planning, um, and. You know, that was one thing about Bradley someone mentioned maybe uh, in Tom Timmerman's article about how Bradley, Bradley Carnell typically sets down roots for a longer period of time. I think four to five years is kind of the, the minimum he's been everywhere. So, uh, yeah, just it's it's cool that that foundation that and also thinking that maybe Lutz is gone in you know, 2024 or something like that. But the pieces he puts in place will be, you know, carrying on for probably the rest of the decade.
0: Yeah, Bradley uh, was... He did mention short to midterm future. I think is what he said at some point he during. Said that exact phrase, <laughs> which weirded me out a little bit. I was like, "Boy, come on, man! Like, <laughs> either like, now, wait a minute. I don't know if that means like he's not sure he's gonna last very long, or if it means he's on to better things." He or probably... is his short term four to five years? Yeah, it could be. I like that actually. I especially like that. Um, but um, you know, part of what came up too was that. Um, Matt, I'd like you to talk about this, because I know it was in your article, I know you heard plenty of it, was um, asking him what he thought of St. Louis, and and why, you know, we got to ask, like, why he turned down Man U, basically, over this, and uh, yeah, Matt, you
3: put that in your article. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it went down to um, what was really interesting that he said that he was a man of his word, and so that kind of caught me off guard, almost, because If you look at the timeline of the rumors of us talking to him, they go back to like August or so of last year, and then um, the Man rumors, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, started coming out around December, uh, early December, maybe even around Thanksgiving. Um, But he apparently had already agreed to join... St. Louis City prior to those rumors uh, surfacing or discussions taking place. And so um, in addition to falling in love with the concept of building in this kind of system from the, the ground up and having a blank slate to work off of, um, in addition to Uh, Lutz and and that being a known factor, and the ownership's just overwhelming support and the facilities, it it, it echoed a lot of the things that Lutz said, um, but the timing of it was super interesting to me that he actually appears to have already been been, uh, in agreement to join us for a month and a half at least at this point, since right after, I think think they mentioned in one of the interviews, right after um, Red Bull's season ended on November 20th, after they lost to the Union in the playoffs. So, it, knowing that started discussions in August, he was inked probably end of November, and held to his guns. Um, him and his family, who they appear to enjoy the area from everything they've seen so far. So it's the it's a lot of the the familiar notes of they like the area, it's family friendly. They they love what ownership is doing with the facilities and the ability to just create a create your own. Um, stamp on something so everything that Lutz had said he carried through in spades almost um and, and it does go to, if you remember that interview we talked on last time uh, about Red Bull and he didn't mention Red Bulls in, in the interview, but he mentioned Major League Soccer opportunities, wanting to stay in the United States. This, uh, this makes all sense in the world when you're putting the puzzle pieces together.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think about that quote all the time. And uh, another thing he said, too, was like, you could tell that family was like a major part of his decision. Big because time. I imagine like it had to be, I'm sh- you. it would be stupid not to say to your wife and even your kids and be like listen it's man you like should we think about this like do you guys want to move to manchester <laughs> like um but like it was pretty clear like he's like he said my americanized family uh, which i thought was just absolutely h- hilarious um that they clearly are are very comfortable being americans and he and he said like he loves he uh, is identifying as american or, or i forget the phrase he used but you know he's he's loving it here as well and that seemed very genuine, so I enjoyed that as well. Any other thoughts? I have one more I want to bring up, at least. But does anyone else have some more thoughts
2: they want to bring up? Yeah. So I think, um, yeah. Even though it was Man U, uh, I think being the head coach uh, versus being an assistant coach, I think also had a it also had a big part on that decision. Uh, but yeah, I, I was surprised. At, what Matt was saying, uh, like uh, after putting all the puzzle pieces together, it looks like this has been uh, agreed for a while, and uh, I'm surprised that it was kept uh, in secret for so long. And uh, even, even, even the leak uh, this morning was just half an hour before, and yeah. we were expecting something to come out last night.
3: It's almost like it's almost like they leaked it just so everybody else would have to say as first reported by the athletic. <laughs> and that's the right. only reason they did it. I saw that on I saw a Fox Two article in San Louis I saw that where they credited the Athletic for first reporting it. And this almost makes me think like, Alright, we're not gonna take too much of your thunder, but we are gonna be the first, so people have to say the first. <laughs> yeah we were
0: talking offline how i I truly think that leaking and i've said it before on the show like i think leaking actually it helps like the buzz so you know i think i said if i was city comms department or pr department i'd be leaking it especially to the athletic where all all the nerdiest uh, soccer fans are there anyway it's perfect but um oh shoot there was one more thing i wanted to say about that oh um I, I thought it was also hilarious that I felt like we teed him up to be like, why'd you choose St. Louis over Man U? for him to be like, how could I turn down this amazing opportunity? And he did not say that at all. And I thought that was pretty funny as he well. He kept it very level-headed. Yeah. And it, actually, <laughs> I would say he's pretty him. level-headed in general. Um, yeah. Nothing too crazy there, which, I mean, great. No problem. That probably comes yeah. in handy in this business. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was um, him, uh, you know, we Asked um, how they first met, Lutz and him, and uh, he said that they knew of each other and stuff. But the first time they really got close was when um, they were doing the coaching license class, right, Matt? And um, Lutz was teaching it, and he just thought that Bradley was like something special, you know. And he's Lutz has a lot of guys going in and out of these classes, I'm sure, that he's teaching over and over, but. It's super cool. Like I think my favorite thing about loots I don't know if this is my favorite, it's up there in the top five, is I, I've seen a lot of good leaders, especially in large organizations like a sports team, a professional top-level sports team in the United States. It's not necessarily that the guy in charge is like tactically smart and perfect and is going to make all the right player moves. A lot of times, it's just like bringing in all the right guys, and it just... Having met all the people that are working with us in the comms department and PR department, sure, that's awesome, too. I don't know how much he's a part of that, but it just feels like all the technical people that have been brought in are also really good. And and I think that could end up being one of Lutz's strongest, you know successful traits is that he's just bringing in all the right people and, and we'll be able to tell I mean we're not saying that Bradley's going to be successful right off the go this could be a terrible move but I just took note that he noticed in this class however long ago that Bradley was something special and it's already right, it's coming to fruition here at least getting into uh, being put into play here to see if it will work out so well,
3: was, and, yeah go ahead and good, good leaders grow leaders and so, I think that's one of the things that I kind of got the sense that Lutz is looking forward to continuing to grow Bradley as a head coach. Um, one of the things mentioned um, as far as only having an assistant, interim head coach notwithstanding, only being an assistant in MLS up until now um, doesn't matter because he's hungry, he's smart, he's intelligent, and he's driven. He's not going to rely on his laurels. He's not going to get a paycheck. He wants to continue to move. And you know he has his eye towards Europe. Uh, yeah, ultimately, I think that's uh, there's a, probably an inkling in the back of his head knowing that Manchester United came calling, he could have that opportunity to call again. You know, we talk about players moving over all the time. I think whether it's whether it's a top five league or just any other opportunity to just continue to grow, even you know, grow in Saint Louis, win titles, develop players, send them to Europe, all those things that he has an opportunity to do and lutz as that kind of top level technical leader is the one, he, he believes he's the one to get the most out of Bradley and continue to have him grow as opposed to bringing in an established person. I, I really enjoyed hearing the comments about um, why it's important to Lutz that Bradley's not a finished product. And he's not, he's not uh, an established coach, been around for a while, and you can bring him in and hit the ground running in that aspect. So I I think I think that speaks volumes to where he sees um, Bradley's potential in the next few years.
0: Another one was uh, Lutz said they had hundreds of candidates that they were looking for, and that Bradley was the first choice. And like knowing everything we just said about Bradley, for him to be the first choice out of hundreds of candidates around the world, um, you know, pretty crazy. Stuart, we haven't heard from you in a while. Any thoughts or uh, new topics you want to bring up?
1: uh i mean uh just i i didn't miss out on the press conference so i'm kind of catching up but you know when you guys were talking i was just thinking about what um some of the this is silly guys have been talking about for for ages is you know marketing is is great and all but when it really what really matters is how the team handles things on the field and uh all of the hires that Lutz has made seem, you know, really sensible and uh, just solid hires that I can't complain about. And um, as as much as I, I absolutely love all the staff uh, who aren't doing, you know, the technical football operation side of things, but um, yeah, proof is in the pudding, and this hire and all the the talking about it just. You know, you guys are getting me excited. I, I, I'm i not feeling super cynical right now, so I don't know what you did to me.
3: <laughs> what a day. <laughs> yeah, Matt,
0: what were you trying to get Stuart to say? Something, oh, like to be really cynical oh. about the hire. <laughs>
3: I told him...
1: Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I do have. Um, I was talking to uh, David Sommelmeyer on Twitter today, and he's uh, that a right. guy. Uh, <laughs> Some of you guys are familiar with. Uh, and he, he brought up something that's that was interesting uh, because Sporting KC has kind of switched over to more of a pressing system, mm-hmm. but they're very reluctant to kind of rotate their squad. Um, so they, they start off great and then they just kind of had a lot of squad burnout, especially this year. Um, but Bradley coming from New York and the Red Bulls do also, you know, the high, the pressing system, but with the deep Academy and they rotate through. So it'll be really interesting to see. I, I mean, I assume Bradley is going to kind of follow that same approach and kind of have a, a much heavier squad rotation. Um, and kind of draw from the academy pretty heavily. Uh, so even though he's he's you know not directly coaching the academy, it'll be fun to see how he incorporates it. Yeah.
3: I asked that question. Go ahead. Far be it for me to second-guess Peter Vermes with Sporting Kansas City, but if you're going to run a, a pressing, um, high-octane offense or even a counter-pressing defense, you might want to use the available subs that you have regularly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: Wilson Harris is... was right there!
2: <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, he he didn't get enough chances, in, in my opinion. And it's interesting because uh, I I had a chance to go to a few uh, post game conferences for Sporting KC and 50% Fifty percent of the time, there was a question about the substitutions because he only used one or two. There were games where he didn't use any, and uh, I think towards the end he was like, "I'm not going to answer any questions about substitutions." And the answer was always the same. I was like, "Well, the guys, the guys that I had were playing well. I didn't want to make any changes. I didn't think they were needed." But, but yeah, towards the end he was like, "I'm not going to ask. If if that's where you're going, I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer any questions about substitutions." So next question, but. Um, Hopefully, uh, here, um, we will uh, implement those substitutions. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's a system that is very, very physical, requires the players to to be in great shape, and uh, and yeah, you need to to rotate and take advantage of those substitutions, for sure.
3: Part, part of it is style, so I think I think Peter Vermes has that kind of a style where he, he has those opinions of his players. The other half of it is proper um, squad building, roster building, and so everything we've talked about with Bradley's experience with an MLS club or Hackworth's experience building a new MLS club, being able to build a roster where you have. The available subs that you feel comfortable sending in in the 50th, 60th minute, if you need to, consistently, and and this going back to this year being kind of a trial run or being able to eyeball a ton of homegrowns that a team normally wouldn't be able to potentially use. I mean, th- that's an opportunity that I hope to see. That I hope to see us having that depth that allows us to continuously do that. We're going to need it, to your point, Santi. That. We can't we can't just go with one or two subs if we're going to con- run the offense in twenty three that Lutz and Bradley are talking about running. Yeah. I love that you guys are talking about
0: this, and I haven't said a word, because that was my favorite thing about New York Red Bulls and New York Rebels too. And I asked that question, I was like, do you see the the reserve team being used as uh, similar to in New York? And I was looking for a super technical answer, and I, I was asking for too much for a press conference like that, but that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear, yes, we're going to have a very deep, rotated squad, is, is what I was looking for. So. Uh, we're all on the same uh, same thought level process here, and I think that's uh, a little too cute. A little too cute, guys. Um, any other thoughts? We've got an MLS draft we can talk about, but you know, I don't know if we want to talk about Bradley more.
3: So I've got a couple stats that I wrote down um, because the thing I was teasing Stu about was uh, coming. Come in with a negative, and I, I've only seen like two, maybe three negative comments, and it was like it was from the Facebook crowd where it's like. He was just an assistant. We're only bringing in an assistant. He didn't have. It. He wasn't an actual head coach anywhere. What are we doing? We're gonna fail right off the start. One guy's like five losses, five losses, in a, or five losing seasons in a row coming up. Um, the other one was, uh, oh, we only hired them because they're friends. They go way back. Hmm. You know, it's a, it was a buddy hire. But I, I was looking up stats on um, head coaches in MLS. So we know that it's it's a, a parody league. We know that. There are not dynasties in this league. So, a couple different things that I I saw. MLS has been around for 25 years. Um, There have been 17 different MLS Cup winning head coaches. So, in 25 years, 17 different MLS Cup winning head coaches. If you take Bruce Arena and the first five years of the league out of that equation, Mm -hmm. you come down to 16 different head coaches winning MLS Cup in 20 years. And nobody has more than two besides Bruce Arena. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's crazy
3: so there's I mean there's there's parity in the league and I think the next stat that I have speaks to why MLS experience is important dating back to 2006 so 15 years every MLS Cup title winner has had at least two years of experience as a head coach in MLS prior to their club winning the title mm. so you haven't had those non-MLS experience head coaches brought in and immediately have success ever in the past 15 years um, of those who, who have won the title um, with at least two years of experience, you're looking at people like Jason Kreese, Gary Smith, Caleb Porter, Greg Vanny, and Tata Martino. So they were all still with their first MLS club as the head coach. Mm. Those were the only ones still. Every, everybody else had moved on to a second MLS club. And Tata, so the, is, Tata is kind of somewhat special as well. Agreed. So it's it's an interesting mix of this is why MLS experience is important. And granted, there is the assistant uh, title where an interim coach would for half a year, but you don't win an MLS Cup. It, I mean, it's pretty safe to say you don't win an MLS Cup without MLS coaching experience of some kind. You 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 don't come into this league and expect to win immediately unless you have that. And
0: look what look what I, I think FC Cincinnati is like a perfect example of that because they went hard with European experience with proven head coaches proven is debatable, I guess at this point, but you know, they did whatever, you know, what the doubters right now are wanting, you know, and look what they just did. They hired the assistant at Philadelphia union. Right. Which is like such a similar hire to what we are. And I have such a good feeling about their changeover with their GM and that and that coach uh, Noonan, of course. So St. Louis in, right right Yep. i'm so bad with names so yeah like so cool um, that I, I i think they'll turn it around with a model similar to our expansion our little old expansion team over here so i do think it'll it'll work out for them um and it does feel like a smart move when you when you frame it in that way um but matt i love those t- the stats you just listed because it is something that bradley said in there that you know a head coach in mls is a really difficult role to fill and i think it's because of those things is you know you see coaches come and go so much but then you look at the parity in the league like are we really firing the right person all these times and should we be firing these people is it really their fault when you know the the margins are so freaking tight in this league it's ridiculous
3: yeah. Oftentimes, it's it's interesting to see where uh, where the buck stops in some of these moves. Does it stop with the head coach? Does it stop with the GM or sporting director? Um, I, I think the head coach bears a lot of the brunt if they're not successful relatively quickly. I'll I am I'm I'll continue to carry the torch for the next year plus until we start. And hopefully on from there that this, this kind of experience is necessary. And I've, I've said it all along that we need somebody at the top who knows the league, and they mentioned it today as one of Lutz's reasons why Bradley was so important, and he was their number one choice. Is he knows the, the league, he knows the stadiums, he knows the teams, he knows the players. They talked extensively about both of their networks, uh, both domestically and internationally. You know, Luce, Don't forget, Lutz has experience here as a player, so it's not like he's completely foreign to MLS before he came here. Uh, there's a lot of knowledge about what's going on in this country with soccer that both of these guys are bringing, and I don't think. I think we would have done a detriment to ourselves had we gone with even an inexperienced person that Lutz knew uh, from from Germany or from abroad. I think. I think they made clearly the right choice. Here.
1: Yeah, it still always blows my mind when you you have a you have a foreign coach coming into MLS who isn't familiar with all of the just incredibly stupid roster rules I have here and I know I complain about it all the time but it it, it isn't a situation of you know it we're transfer windows opening I need to buy these players no you, you you can't you're you're restricted with a few different things and if you try to get creative and bend the rules then you end up like inner Miami who just had to pay uh, Monterey to take uh, bizarre off of their hands. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, this MLS would not be the league I'd want to come into with no experience or familiarity because it's just a bizarre league and from a roster standpoint at least. Absolutely. And uh, to follow up also about Matt, some of those negative comments, on some of the people out there. Just th- this is the they better get used to it because this is the type of team that St. Louis is going to have. We're not a we're not a New York City. We're not we're not Atlanta. We're not Miami or or LA. We're going to be we're going to be a, a you know sporting KC more. A blue-collar, blue collar, hard-working yeah. club that's not going to be going out and spending, you know, fifteen million a year on uh, an Italian national team player. That's just not. <laughs> I don't think that's what um, CKB is going to be spending your money on. It's the St. Louis way, right? Yeah, St. Louis way. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, and I, I think there will be people disappointed uh, once we know the roster for twenty twenty-three that. There will be a lack of like a big star. Um, I think there will be people disappointed. But yeah, that's the way this team is going to be built. And um, I'm sure this this group has been thinking about everything. And Lutz uh, prepare very well um, for this moment, uh, getting the first head coach uh, hired. And I'm sure they will put together a good roster that will be competitive. It may not have uh, big names. Um, at the beginning, but it will, be, it will have players that will become bigger names in the league at some point.
3: And isn't that honestly one of the one of the things we love about and we love about St. Louis FC on a smaller level that you didn't you had guys who were ours they they might not have been known no. elsewhere until they succeeded here or or they they were known slightly elsewhere and then they came here and they were just beloved but they weren't larger than life people they they gel well they played cohesively but they were personable people and I'm not saying we'll have everybody be personable but I think that's the kind of thing that. Seems to be carrying forward in in the comments right here. Where the blue collar uh, work effort, the we're not bringing in um, fifteen million dollar strikers. You know, we're we're building a club that fits the system. Even though we've identified that the best player is available, so the single best player who's available won't might not be coming here if they don't fit into our system correctly. So sorry, guys, we're not going to sign Messi. Mm-hmm. Well, and look at,
0: I think St. Louis fans, especially at first, you know, I think they're going to really support that in a a, a lot of ways. I have faith that I think it's going to go just fine in that regard. You know, you look at a lot of, you know, under Tony Larusa, we could bring in a no-name pitcher, and the guy could become a hero for a couple of seasons. You know what I mean? Like Alan Craig, that whole story. Like, there's so many players you can you can think of that were just brought from nowhere that became massive successes and uh, fan favorites. Um, you know, St. Louis FC. You could even come up with a few names for sure, equally in that way. You look at the Blues. Um, you know, winning the Stanley Cup with a guy that was on a minor league roster, uh, goalkeeper um, a, a season before, or maybe the season up. I don't even. Remember remember Um, so like I do think I think St. Louis fans it'll speak to them that that this sort of thing of bringing in these unknown guys that become fan favorites that become some of our hardest workers is something we can relate to with St. Louis FC always the guys that are running the hardest are end up becoming our favorites the guys that collapse at the end of the game because they got nothing else in them you know if even if we lose we're like clapping and cheering for those guys at the end of the game and you look at what Sporting Kansas City is able to do to sell out every single home game since their beginning, like, I think we might get frustrated that fans aren't hipster enough more than we are going to get those European hipster guys that are pissed that we didn't sign Insigne. So, you know, I have faith in our fans and I'm looking forward to especially that because I think it's going to get
3: crazy on game day. I think it'll be fun, as as you know, us as a group, getting to help build that kind of hype. Honestly, because we'll be going deep into some of these players and trying to f- flesh out who they are and why we think we signed them and what we think they have to offer. Whereas uh, they, having a big name come in, you might have seen highlights and people are just aware and, and know they think they know. But honestly, a lot of the players, it sounds like we're going to be looking towards signing being relatively unknown or not having the most uh, the biggest spotlight put on them, those are going to be the most fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, is that it? Uh, there's a. Well, I was a... going to
1: ask you. Oh, sorry.
0: No, go ahead, Stuart. You go first.
1: Uh, I was going to ask you guys a question. If there was one St. Louis FC player that you think would fit the city mold. Who you'd want to bring over, who would it be? Do they have to be like age appropriate? They'd have to or how
3: they were when they were with St. Louis F. C.
1: How they were with St. Louis F. C. Van
3: be it. Yeah. He's perfect.
0: We need a mobile physical center back for the system and he's it.
2: Yeah, that's really good. Mine would be at Russell Ciceroni.
0: Yeah one that's really good too
1: what do you think Stuart would it be cheating to say Jack Mark? <laughs> 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 oh, so <laughs> he
0: counts he's playing the right side center back role so like clearly he has the speed to keep up with um, you know to cover a fullback in 1v1 like I think that's perfect uh, mine would be um, uh, Lewis Hilton I think I think oh. He'd be a good midfielder. So it'd be fun. Good question. I think I think the the pivot here is uh, I think we'll move away from Bradley Carnell's hiring and announcement. Um, but one amazing thing to lastly kind of close with is is that the app was used for for this announcement. Um, when they were teasing that there was a big announcement and a special guest coming the next day, um, you know we got this banner notification on our phones that I'd never gotten and it had that St. Louis City SC uh, emblem on it and I clicked on it and it was a video it pulled up the video and it was you know we didn't know it at the time but all we saw were a couple of black and white EZ's stepping off of a private jet (laughs) Um, with some cool music some hype music and you see some luggage and um, you don't see who it is and uh, it was a really cool way to hype it I thought that was really nice and uh, you know I just want to kind of you know, We've all been very happy with the app, and I think it's, it looks like there's going to be a lot of content coming through the app this week. And so, I definitely look forward to that. Um, any comments on the app before we want to move on to other MLS stuff?
3: It reminded me of uh, like it, it reminded me of a movie scene where you see like some event happens and you get a montage of a bunch of different people becoming aware, knowing of something in different ways. Um, Sebek had a, a post um, where there was like somebody saw it on their watch and they saw the yeah. notification on their watch. Um, somebody like I was already scrolling my phone and I saw the little thing pop up at the top and so I immediately clicked on it. Some people just like picked up their phone and saw it on their lock screen. I mean, the way that app works, there's so many different ways to become aware of a uh, push notification and. So, with that being the first way they use it, it, was pretty cool.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, they saved it for that, right? It seemed like because they could have done this a long time ago. That's,
3: and that's when you knew it was going to be the head coach. I feel like yeah, like before even like so if something's happened. Like even if you hadn't gone straight to the video, like the hype that that got was it's not going to be the city two coach. That was mm. this is big.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I was worried a little bit that it was going to be the City 2 coach. I was going to be so disappointed, but the timing felt right. Timing felt right. Um, Let's talk about the MLS draft because um, it really, really affects St. Louis. Um, And Generation Adidas was announced. It wasn't announced. It's not official yet, but it's being teased that Kip Keller, Patrick Schulte, and Isaiah Parker are all going to be announced as Generation Adidas signings. And these are guys that um are lower classmen that will be made eligible for the draft early I, um they're not upperclassmen <clears throat> and there are all kinds of incentives as far as like minimum salary for a few years i think three and uh, a lot of roster rules of course that we won't go into today that matt can maybe fill us in and on, on uh the next uh the next episode um but um the other big one is that, you know, they're not going to be able to be claimed as homegrowns. And so we were kind of holding out hope that we might see these players. And to me, this was the most heartbreaking news uh, of the of 2022, I suppose, so far. <laughs> I guess it's not hard. Um, Stuart, I want to hear what your thoughts were on this one, because you're, you're big on, on these players and wanting them to stay in our city.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really bittersweet. I mean, watching... We we saw you know Patrick Schulte of course in that iconic uh, open cut game against uh, Des Moines with St. Louis FC, and he was you know on the STLFC academy teams for years. Kip Keller was uh, captain of the uh, STLFC U19s uh, his last year, and uh, yeah, I saw how he bonded kind of with Sam Fink when they were both. On the senior team together Sam Of course Being a great mentor uh, You know You you always want these guys To do well And especially With it being so close To You know The The MLS team Kicking off It just This is the last year Of having that Hopefully You know Bittersweet Type feeling But I, I'm always going to cheer For these guys And hope they represent St. Louis well Just hopefully not Against uh, st louis city um but there, there is such a long tradition of, of gallagher guys in the mls draft going in the first round i was looking at it the other day of course taylor Twoman was uh, second overall i think will bruin was fourth hmm. uh there there hasn't been a first overall pick from gallagher yet so here was second overall yeah, Mayor's second. Uh, Robbie Robin, Robbie Robinson oh, yeah. was number one that year. Yeah. Um, so if, if Kip does go first, that would be a first for Gallagher. But there have been uh, two or three guys who have gone second overall before, and a few other guys who have gone top ten. So uh, it's it says a lot for the ongoing excellence of you know Scott Gallagher and what they've done as a club. And uh, also, how you know, uh, Coach Kalish has kind of formed these guys into a more finished product. Yeah,
0: very much so. Santiago, what did you think about all of those announcements?
2: Well, uh, it's very exciting to see um, St. Louis players. Uh, talk about being in the top 10 and signing generation as contracts but yeah at the same time it's it's bittersweet that another team uh, will get them uh, my hope is that uh, cdsc will make a move at some point and and get one of these players uh either jack Mayer or uh kip keller or or patrick but i think they they will make the effort to bring one of these younger guys uh from St. Louis that they know uh, has a future. So hopefully we'll see a move like that um, next year.
1: Yeah, so next year, speaking in which, uh, Jack Lynn and Jansen Miller are probably going to be the two big yep. St. Louis guys who will be hitting the draft. So uh, we'll see what happens with them. I mean, both those guys have the potential to be yeah. Generation Adidas players themselves. So,
3: Are they going to be seniors next year?
1: Uh, no. So they'd have to be Generation Adidas. I think both of them would be juniors. And oh. um, for whatever reason, MLS defines under, underclassmen as anything under senior. It isn't junior and senior. Uh, it's just seniors are, yeah. are upperclassmen, uh, which I've never quite understood why. But I'm sure there's some well, sort of MLS mm-hmm. distinction with NCAA that they partner mm-hmm. with or agree on.
3: But so one of the things on that is a lot of people who are hearing Generation Adidas they might be seeing like all right, what what makes these guys special? Why? What does it, what does that designation mean? And so Generation Adidas is the the kind of partnership between MLS and Adidas where they basically offer a guaranteed contract to an underclassman. So, Stu, to your point, like a junior or below, um, who it hasn't completed their collegiate um, experience. They're, they're not done with college um, necessarily. They could go back. But MLS has said, MLS as a league has said, um, you are good enough. We're going to award you a guaranteed contract with the league. And so that's why you see the generation Adidas. Adidas guys always picked first, second, third, fourth in the top 10, usually in the draft, because they have guaranteed contracts already. It just depends on which team's going to pick them up. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're, you, declare for the draft, and you have to wait it out to see if you're picked. These guys are already signed with the league. And part of it is, they do get an educational stipend, too, so they are compensated um, education-wise for leaving school early. So I I thought that was really cool knowing that um, Keller and and Parker and Schulte and these guys are going to have that opportunity to continue their education based on this contract. Yeah, and uh, Keller...
0: Keller, maybe not like I could see if Keller landed in the right place. Like I think Charlotte might be his best bet. Uh, rebel, uh, sorry for my, rebel, New York is also someone who has been said that someone could land at. And, um, anyway, he might not be able to be gotten next year, but with what we saw with the expansion draft, with what we saw with the movement of gam and Tam for, um, international slots in the off season, if, we decided we weren't going to spend that money on international slots, and we decided we wanted to bring in someone like Schulte or or one of our former, any any St. Louis in, in the league that we want to bring in. If they are a good match, you know, it's possible. It's always possible. And so you know, I'm going to be hope, hoping for hope that we... That we get one of them back, perhaps, but yeah. Well, my Miller.
3: homework. Go ahead. My homework that I want to see though is I haven't been able to find an example of a Generation Adidas player being traded while on their Generation Adidas contract. Oh. Well, but I mean, Gam fixes everything, right? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it can't happen because I told, a good point, I, think I told, though. I think I told you guys the other day that uh, if, if it's in the roster rules, it can be traded. Yeah, like we talked about, guys who had their homegrown rights traded. There was that player who had his uh, homegrown rights traded from Real Salt Lake to what was it, LAFC, and then over yeah. to Charlotte. Cameron Duke. Yeah. So, but but I mean, you could trade homegrown rights. That <laughs> Seems a little bit absurd, but I don't doubt that you can. I just haven't found an example of anybody trading a Generation Adidas player who's still on their Generation Adidas contract, which is up to three years.
1: Uh, was JJ Williams or was he just let go, uh, a couple of years ago? Cause he was generation Adidas in 2019.
3: See if you're, if you're out of contract or let go or not, it, de- well, it depends because generation Adidas contracts aren't guaranteed three years. It just depends. They're up to three years. Mm. Well, I do know,
0: I I don't know if it expired, yeah, I don't know if it expired or not, but he was loaned to the Legion, Birmingham Legion, for the first time, and then I think it was a full contract this last time he went to them, instead of a loan, and so I don't know if it expired, or if, no, it couldn't have, Um, so maybe they signed him and MLS was no longer, the Generation Adidas contract was no longer valid because it was in the USL, or what, I don't know. Seems like they would want to work out a loan so that Birmingham didn't have to pay him, but he was still being paid by MLS proper.
3: That's that's one of those weird things of if you get, and I guess it's for you as a player to decide if you're offered a Generation Adidas contract for one year, is it worth it? Hmm. If you're offered a Generation Adidas contract for three years, it probably changes the game a little bit. Yeah. A little under the weeds there,
0: maybe, but, you know, that's the kind of thing we do. <laughs> wow. um, but, yeah, you know, the other, I think the other sad thing that we've touched on before, too, is that, you know, we feel like we should be able to get our St. Louis players. And it almost feels like, you know, the fact that we're not able to claim them seemingly as homegrowns or, I don't know if we're going to be able to claim any of the Scott Gallagher guys as homegrowns like some other teams have been able to do out of college. You know, If we can't do that for a few more years, that's really unfortunate. That's another part of this GA thing, this Generation Adidas thing that is sad for me that it would have been really nice if we could have... You know, I was hoping to buck the system and use those MLS rules to our advantage—the ones that I absolutely hate. I know I've run on and on and on about that, but just one more time—you know—I wish we could have claimed Schulte and gotten him on our team
2: um, this year and just held on to him for next year. Yeah. Is is homegrown territories still a thing, or did that go away?
3: It was still a thing as of last year. The roster rules for the upcoming season should come out. Um, Probably in about a month or so, I would say. So the season starts end of February. Ross rules usually come out a little bit before that. So that's the thing that I, I is longstanding is that they, there's an assumption that they're phasing out homegrown territories.
2: Uh-huh. I
0: feel like I'm like a crazy MLS libertarian. Every time those rules come out I'm like, please let there be less rules. <laughs> please <laughs> Then they add two
3: or three more just for the heck of
0: it. Yeah, I just need. To, I should start MLS Libertarian like a subreddit
3: and just <laughs> get really crazy. It's like okay, you can you can sign younger players and they won't hit your salary cap, but only if you have a, a three DPs and the third one is a certain age. Oh so they God. one step forward, two steps back. They're taking away our soccer rights. <laughs> <laughs> My
0: salaries. <laughs> <laughs> I should be able to pay whoever I want to pay. Okay. Uh, San Diego, how's your Southern accent? Mine's not too good, uh, apparently.
2: Well, <laughs> oh, mine is. Uh, mine is bad too. It's always Don't count fun. Don't call me for that.
0: Yeah, it's it's always fun hearing foreigners do a Southern accent. It happens from time to time. Um, any other thoughts? The other person that we left out, Simon Betcher, is able to be drafted this year, and he went to SLU. Uh, oh, and who were you talking about the other day, Muni? Right, Stuart. You were bringing up Muni,
1: Kyle Muni. Uh, Daniel Mooney Daniel Mooney um, yeah and he'll uh, I think he'll also be hitting the draft next year so he's he's one to be checking out I, I completely uh, forgot about Daniel for a second my apologies to him i he's not going to hear this but you know <laughs> I like you Daniel I
0: don't know we've got one live viewer right now it could be him
1: <laughs> uh, yes,
0: maybe um <laughs> uh, um hey if you guys hear this on a podcast whenever we go online we'll warn you we'll give you more warning because i think we've worked out all the bugs it seems to be going well and if you want to join us in the chat and ask questions make comments that would be really cool if anyone wanted to do that if you uh are like us and you well like two of us you put your kids to bed and start podcasting immediately so if 8 30 is not too late for you join us um otherwise oh go ahead
2: yeah, I was going to say, it looks like uh, Stuart found uh, that example of a uh, player uh, being traded while the yep. Federation Adidas contract. So.
3: Oh. Frankie Amaya, FC yeah. Cincinnati to Red Bulls? Yep. So, what happened? What does it say? Uh,
1: he was traded for 950000 in GAM and uh, an additional 125000 of allocation money based on incentives. That was last uh, last spring. Yeah. Um,
0: See, so GAM does solve everyone's problems.
3: Yeah, and he was a freshman at UCLA who signed a Generation Adidas contract.
0: Another thing I learned today um, is that TAM uh, expires. You have to use it within, I think, three years, or is it two? Yeah. But GAM is forever, never.
3: Yeah, and they're they're trying to phase out TAM too. So they're okay. they've increased the amount of GAM that teams get each year, uh, but they've been decreasing TAM. And GAM is a lot more flexible. Like you have to, they, there's a there, people call certain players like TAM level players because they're making like almost uh, enough to cross the DP threshold, uh, but they're bought down with TAM to get below it.
0: Yeah, it seems like a lot of coaches, we shouldn't dig into this, but it seems like a lot of coaches and, and GMs are really interested in the possibility of stop taking stop telling us who we can pay a million dollars, millions and millions of dollars to and just let, give us a number and we'll split it up however, however we want. And I really want that to happen because I think a team like St. Louis would really benefit from that kind of thing.
3: And so, I mean, that's one of those nuances. Like, yeah, they're making they're moving a step forward, but like the needle's being pushed, like, moves so ever so slightly. Oh, okay. Like, it's, it's still the same, like, mechanisms and different types of, like, pots of fake money, but they're, like, making one pot useful everywhere and growing it. And then the other pot that's only useful in this one little part and they're shrinking it.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Th- yeah. Nothing will go away in one year, but maybe that. Pushing out of TAM is part of that process. I guess that's what I was thinking. Uh, Cool. I'm going to call it, though. I think it's getting a little late. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Santiago, again, thanks for joining us tonight. I'm glad we were able to finally make it possible for you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Stuart, Matt, thank you to both of you as well. We'll have to talk about it. I don't know if we'll go next week since we skipped an extra week or if we'll come back in 2 weeks. I guess we'll just see what the news brings us and see what we can do. So, thanks for listening everyone. We'll be hitting you up again soon.
3: See ya.
1: See ya.